Welcome to You Can Get Paid For That. Doing stuff you like is cool, and so is making money. This is the show where you'll learn to do both, from people who are actually getting paid to do what they like. I'm your host, Bo Blackwell, and I'm here to help you discover how you, too, can get paid for that, whatever that may be. Hi there, and welcome to You Can Get Paid For That. This week, I'm joined by my good friend, Jill Naus, who has built a thriving business around her passion for yoga. And a lot of people out there love yoga, and a lot of people become a teacher and want to teach yoga, and they have this dream of making a living from it, um, and then aren't able to really make a go of it. Uh, It never gets to be more than a part-time thing. But Jill has really approached it in a different way, a much bigger way, uh, where she has done a lot more than just the traditional route of teaching classes, and in doing so has been able to build a really awesome business from it that fuels her passion, lets her make a living from it, and uh, is really just helping her enjoy her life and enjoy her business. So I think you're going to love this episode. Jill is a lot of fun and has a lot of great things to share with you, so enjoy. All right. Well, thanks so much for being here, Jill. I'm really excited to talk to you again. It's been too long. I know. It's been a long time, and I'm so excited to be here. I'm really grateful to uh, to be on your show. Great. Well, could you start off by telling us what it is that you get paid for? Absolutely. Um, I get paid to share yoga and the benefits of yoga with incredible people. So um, I get to collaborate with teachers and musicians and artists to bring experiences to my community. And quite honestly, I get paid to do work that I just absolutely love. That's so fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) I'm sure that's a a dream for a lot of people out there. So could you kind of tell us how you got started down this path? Because I know you haven't haven't always been a yoga teacher. No, I haven't. And um, I actually spent – if you looked back 11 years ago – life looked very differently for me. I was living in San Francisco. Um, I had an apartment in Cow Hollow. And I, my business card actually described me as a relationship manager for the financial intermediaries group, which is um, at the time I worked for a company called RCM Capital Management. So I was working in the financial, in- financial services industry for about 13 years um, up until I made my big transition. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. At one point, um, I think at one point I actually did enjoy what I, what I was doing for work when I worked in the financial services industry, but mostly it was because in some way it validated me. I, I felt, um, I felt like a grown up. you know, I had a briefcase, I, I traveled, I had a, an office and a Blackberry and a, 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 a nice income and but I never felt fulfilled by the work that I was doing. I enjoyed the people and I was never really driven um, by the financial markets per se. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, 13 years in, it's probably about 2004, I felt like I was living somebody else's life and I was, I was deeply unfulfilled. And really, I was dealing with a lot of anxiety. I was, um, I was you know, in a place where I felt depressed. I didn't have a lot of uh, balance in my life. And I just absolutely knew that something had to change. Yeah. Um, that seems like about as far uh, removed from kind of the, <laughs> the yoga teacher lifestyle as you could possibly be. So was that something that you were doing even as just a, a hobby at the time? Were you practicing yoga or was that something you kind of came around to, to deal with your anxiety and things like that? 
You know, it was something that I came around to. I had always done something for fitness, but it was, it was kind of intermittent. I traveled a lot and I, you know, I was that person that was like, I'm just too busy. And so I didn't prioritize myself. I prioritized, you know, being really responsive to my clients. I prioritized my job. I prioritized this image of myself of being perfect and the hardest working. It was almost like a martyr. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I sort of made this decision that I, that I had to shift things, it started by, um, by realizing that I needed to kind of get out of the city. I wanted to slow things down. And so I bought a little house in Portland and I decided to quit my job and take a little time to refocus and, and to shift that focus onto me and kind of well-being. And that was, so I'd always kind of dabbled in, you know, fitness and health and I'd done some yoga here and there, but nothing that um, was very consistent. And when I got up to Portland and was taking some time off, I just gave myself like three months. I'm going to take about three months off and then see what happens. I figured I'd go back into financial services. Um, but that's when I really delved into my practice and I'm nine years into teaching now. So it was, that was the point. I never thought it would become my career. I never (laughs) had aspirations of that. Um, but that was, uh, that was what was meant to be. It was like a calling. As soon as I started to delve into my practice, I started feeling the benefits and everything shifted for me at that point. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, you know, you said you were going to originally take this this three month off period. Uh-huh. How, how quickly did you start to get into, um, you know, doing the the practice and the yoga? And did you end up going back to the corporate world at all, or did you just decide I'm going to go all in on this and make this my thing? Well, I think that um, the the practical side of me, I, I didn't imagine that I could create a sustainable business around yoga. I didn't. I, that wasn't even kind of in my realm of thinking. Mm-hmm. I had just bought a house. You know, I I was used to a, a large you know Bay Area wage, and I had been working in sales and marketing for a very long time. So um, that didn't seem like a reality to me. It wasn't something that I it was even in my consciousness at that moment in time. Um, and I continued to connect with consultants that I'd work with in this area. You know, I had a lot of contacts from my 13 years in the business. And every time that I would set up a meeting with one of them to get together and even discuss possibilities for uh, my next steps, I honestly wanted to be in the fetal position. (laughs) I felt sick to my stomach. Like I just, I knew that um, I had to listen to that, that there was something seriously um, off you, you know, that was not aligned for me to continue on. And so I tried to s- start figuring out what my next steps could be. And I did sign up for a yoga teacher training program. And I knew that, you know, teaching yoga, just teaching classes wouldn't necessarily be sustainable. So I also went to massage school and I just started to right away layer in other ways of making income. And I had a part-time job too. So like I, I eventually, you know, I, I decided, mm-hmm. okay, I am going to take this path and how am I going to do it? Well, I can layer this in and this in and this in and and then, you know, at least I can make my mortgage. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that was a really smart approach. And one that people don't talk about enough is um, rather than just saying, I'm going to go all in 100% and not do mm-hmm. anything else and not have any kind of safety net or backup plan, um, yeah. building up you know, those, those multiple streams of income and including, uh, you know, having a part-time job, which I think is really smart and something that people don't consider enough that, you know, if you can make that pay for your basic expenses or, 
you know, cover a decent percentage of them, then you can start to more slowly grow uh, the streams of income that are aligned with your passions and, you know, build those up in a more natural way instead of feeling like you have to be a, a quote unquote success right out of the gate. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think there was a lot of um, pressure too for my family. <laughs> like they were, <laughs> right. they were like, what are you doing? You know, um, this is like your peak earning years and you're leaving this financial services career that you've built since you were 20 years old or 22 years old. You know, this makes no sense at all. So there was a lot of pressure to just make it look okay. <laughs> sure. I got this. I got this, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> so um, as you started to build up your, you know, your yoga teaching practice, what did that look like? Were you just teaching individual classes here and there, or did you um, really start to kind of plan out how you were going to scale it, or did it just kind of happen organically? Um, you know, I think um, when you get out of teacher training, the it's kind of like there, there isn't a next steps places to go. And so really I was modeling what I, what I was doing was just being modeled after other people. So I had these teachers that I looked up to and, and, um, and I, I kind of watched what they were doing and what they were doing was just teaching classes all over town, wherever they could get an opportunity to teach. They were teaching anytime they could sub, they were subbing. And so, you know, that was what I knew. And so right out of the gates, I just taught as much as I could. And anytime an opportunity came up, I said, yes, and so there was a time a couple years in where I was teaching like 20 classes a week plus doing massage. And, um, you know, I hadn't had a day off in 75 days or something, you know, where it was just, it was, it was crazy. So it's, it's funny because this was a means to shifting into a more balanced life. And yet in order to make it work by teaching just studio classes, you have to teach constantly. And a one-hour class does not equate to one hour of time. There's the planning involved. And, you know, if you're going to be very intentional about the offering, the travel time, the getting there a little er earlier to greet your students, you know, it's, it's, it's a couple hours in for each class. And so ultimately you end up, again, you're at a 60-hour week. You know, it's, yeah. kind of, it's kind of crazy. And so really that was a point where I had to reassess um, – even that business model, what, what do you want to do now? You know, because, um, I was loving the teaching, but it wasn't sustainable mm -hmm. at, at that rate. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you, um, kind of shift things or, or what did you start to do differently that, um, allowed you to maybe take it to the next level or at least feel like you had a handle on it where you could do this as your business, but not be completely <laughs> consumed by it and burn, get burnt out on it. Cause it seems like that could get really easy to get burnt out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I did some, um, some things in the beginning that, um, you know, looking back, it was like, wow, that was really smart, but <laughs> it, it wasn't by design. I connected with people that resonated with me and I got involved with organizations that meant something to me. Like that's how I've how I met you was through the World Domination Summit. And I met Chris and Jolie Gillibo early um, in my teaching career and um, connected with them around WDS. And I've been teaching yoga at WDS every year since. Mm -hmm. And um, so this has been a great way to build my audience. I've also gotten involved in conferences and, um, and festivals. I had the opportunity to teach at Wanderlust, one of the world's biggest music and yoga festivals in the world. Mm -hmm. and, <clears throat> and yoga rocks the park. I sponsor a booth there each year and, um, 
gives me an opportunity to connect with larger audiences where initially I may not get paid for those, but, um, but it gives me the opportunity to um, share what I do, my offering with, uh, with a, a bigger audience, and then introduce them to other things that I have going on. So whether it's studio classes or, you know, a next tier up of um, workshops or a next tier up of private lessons or a next tier up of yoga retreats, which I do a couple times a year, either to Mexico or Hawaii or other locations like that. Um, and then <clears throat> about 2012, I created uh, a program called Elevate Yoga Trainings. And it was really designed around the need that I kind of referred to earlier um, to have a next step for yoga teachers. Because as I stepped out of yoga teacher training in 2006. It was kind of like, okay, now what? And there wasn't somebody, <clears throat> it's just, you know, it's basically, it's coaching, it's mentorship, it's, um, it's further education and it's community and, and also um, business skills. And so there's a program now that I've created and I've led it four times in the Portland area over the last two years um, for people to have a place to go and, um, develop their skill set, really to elevate. That's why I called it that. It's really to to elevate their, their teaching, to expand their community and so forth. And so these are all just different ways that I've been able to, um, like I said earlier on, layer my business and monetize it in different ways. So I have various revenue streams. I actually have eight different, eight or more different ways that I make money through my yoga business now. Wow. That's fantastic. I would, I'd love to, um, if you're up for it, kind of break that down. You mentioned several yeah. of them, but yeah. Um, yeah, I'd love to, to hear how you approach kind of developing each of those out rather than just the, the kind of classic thing. I think people think of, of being a yoga teacher where you just go and teach classes like you initially did. Yeah. Um, are these things that you saw other people doing or did you develop them out them yourself? And, and I really feel like, I think there's other people, um, that may be exploring it a little bit. I, I don't, I don't know of anyone that's done it quite like like I have in a sense that, you know, there there do seem to be two paths to be the yoga teacher in studios or to open your own sort of brick and mortar studio. <laughs> and I Michael and I, my husband who you know very well, um we like to have a certain amount of freedom and the way that we want to design our lives is to be able to travel and and potentially in the future live in different locations while still running our businesses the way that we love to do them. Um and so opening a studio that really ties us to one location and having that kind of constant overhead and management of teachers and the administration and the, it, be, it becomes a very different thing. It's no longer sure. about the teaching of yoga. And so for me, what I really wanted to do was create, um, uh, a sort of more movable business. And I did that by striking up a relationship with someone who has a very beautiful space here in Portland and, um, developing that relationship to the point where I sort of have branded myself in her space without having to open my own studio. I'm the only one that really offers yoga in her space. Mm -hmm. And I do all of my private lessons there. I do all of my high-end um, group classes there. I do a lot of corporate events there and team building type things around mindfulness and yoga. And then even having, um, you know, dinners afterwards. So really special exclusive events. This is where I lead my teacher trainings and um, just anything that that is Jill Naus yoga um, and 
and outside of, you know, my, my normal just studio classes, I do those there. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to, I told you teach up upwards of 20 classes a week now in studios. Okay. So other people's studios in Portland, I now teach three classes in Portland and in two different studios, uh, in the Pearl. And I also lead corporate yoga classes. So I'm going into the workspace to do that. So basically I run my own studio without having to have my own studio. And that's been amazing. And I don't really think that that's a model that is out there too, too much. Maybe you're starting to see it more and more. Yeah, that's brilliant. I mean, I I think, um, made me think of the, the famous book, the E-Myth, uh, where, you know, people have an idea of what it's going to be like of starting a business. And then they, like you said, they get sucked into all the administrative stuff and dealing with managing people and all those things. And they, they really kind of lose what they liked about it in the first place. So I think that's, that's brilliant that you've been able to, um, avoid that typical model that, that I think does lead to a lot of burnout and, and, um, issues that you don't want to have to deal with. So, um, what I wanted to ask about that is, you yeah. know, it's a fantastic model. How do you do kind of the marketing required to attract clients and corporations and things like that? You know, how do you go about getting your name out there when you don't own your own space where people could find you, um, you know, through Yelp or something like that? Uh, I do a lot of special events that, um, that get me exposure. And I have for a number of years, anytime there's a a, sort of a, an organization that's doing work around something that I care about, I've done stuff, um, for, you know, um, you know, I'm a dog lover. You've, you've met my dog (laughs) 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 and I've done things around, um, you know, best, best friends for animals. And, you know, they'll have some sort of an event around a run. Like there was one recently strut your mud. And I went and set up my, my booth and I taught a yoga class out there for the runners or the walkers coming back in and their dogs, you know, and (laughs) I've done things for stretch for survivors, um, where, uh, you know, the first year I went out to a location in Hillsboro, they were doing a 24 hour yoga event. So every hour on the hour, a teacher was showing up to teach a class and they were raising money for this organization. Um, and I was a newer teacher, but I went out and did it and it was like six o'clock in the morning. And I think there were two people in my class and I was like, that's okay. It's for a good cause. Well, the next year she had the same event. It was in downtown Portland at the castaway building. It was huge. It was, um, featured on the news. I was the teacher that opened the class, which was, you know, higher profile. And, um, and that got me a lot of exposure, things like that. Yoga rocks, the park, the world domination summit, um, the Northwest Yoga Conference, Wanderlust, all of those things, I, I will then collaborate either with musicians or, or something and do a yoga class that is a unique experience for students um, that is kind of my brand, the way that I teach, uh, very, very heart-centered yoga. And, and then I just make sure that I stay connected with the students that come in by sharing with them um, how to get on my mailing list by sharing with them other ways to access my offerings. So um, I'll always have postcards about my upcoming retreats. Like I have a retreat coming up in October to Shinalani down near Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. And um, I'll always have postcards on my trainings and different workshops that are coming up um, so that people have ways to continue to maintain a relationship with me. 
Yeah. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, I, that's one thing I wanted to ask you about earlier yeah. and, and I'd love to dive a little bit more into it is this idea of kind of giving away your services for free because you're playing the long game and seeing, you know, how it's going to come back and really benefit oh, yeah. you in the future. I think too many people don't take that approach and, and they want to get paid for something right away. Um, but it ends up limiting their, their success down the road. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's fantastic that you took that approach. Well, and I think with all things, you have to kind of earmark how much of that can you realistically do and then just know like what, you know, what kind of bang for your buck is it? And I have to be honest with you that it's a lot easier for me to talk about this from where I sit now, looking back and saying, wow, that really worked, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that really worked. And I didn't really do it by design. They were organ- like world domination. I love Chris and Jolie. And I was like, yes, I'm going to show up. And early on, it was like five people in the park. And I had my good friend, Colin Hogan, you know, playing guitar. And, and we just did this cool little teeny tiny thing. Mm-hmm. Well, last year, as you know, it became the great namaste. And the great namaste, we went out 808 of us in Pioneer Square and broke a Guinness world record for the longest yoga chain. You know, it started out, it was two, three, four, five people, kind of got bigger, bigger over the years. And, you know, our fourth year in at the World Domination Summit, there was 808 people there. That was great exposure for me. And it wasn't because I planned that. Sure. <laughs> you know, right. it, just, it was like, thank you, Tyler. Thank you, Chris. I would love to lead this. So that was just fantastic. And that's kind of how it works. You align yourself with the things that matter to you. That matters to me. Um, Living Yoga is an organization here in Portland that that matters to me. And they bring yoga into correctional facilities and rehabilitation centers and help people turn their lives around before they come back out into society through yoga. And, um, and I do a lot with them. And it's amazing, the karmic exchange, that, that isn't even because I'm intending it. But, you know, the, the, the giving that I put towards their organization and then the return is just, it's amazing. And so I think it's really important to find the things that you care deeply about and put your energy toward them. And it doesn't have to be about the immediate gratification because it will come to you. It comes back tenfold. Yeah, that's a a great point. And I think that's something a lot of people um, don't think about when they're trying to get their project going is they want to immediately work with the biggest people or, you know, to go in a, a completely different direction. Someone who wants to get exposure by doing guest blogging or something like that, they want to immediately get featured on the biggest sites possible rather than starting with people that are at their level or beginners. And because you, like you said, you just never know where those things are going to lead. If you had said, oh, I don't want to lead the world domination summit yoga class that first year <laughs> because it's only five people you would have missed out on the 800 person class. Exactly, exactly. And what a blast that was. It, you know, it, not even for the exposure, but just the actual experience of being with all of those people in Pioneer Square was amazing. So yeah, it's absolutely true. And um, when it's something that matters to you, you won't think of it that way as, as you know, the smaller change. But honestly, too, it, all of these things are stepping stones in preparation for the bigger things. I mean, mm-hmm. had I put anything in, in, in a different order, um, you know, wow, just terrifying, right? I mean, you just ha- you have to build yourself up, too, um, emotionally to be prepared for these things because they can be scary to yeah. step out like that. No, yeah, that's very true. Very true. Um, one other thing I wanted to kind of talk about with your model that I think is really smart and cool is um, sort of your 
value escalation model, I guess, to, you know, where you're not just teaching Mm -hmm. one level of classes and, you know, making the same amount of money from each student. You kind of have, like you mentioned, you have private group lessons and corporate lessons. And um, I'd love to hear more about these uh, workshops that you do in Mm -hmm. amazing exotic places. Um, How do you go about stepping up that value and um, figuring out what you should be offering as well as kind of having the courage, I guess, to ask for, <laughs> you know, much higher amounts of money than, than people might be used to paying for quote, a, a yoga class or something like that. Yeah, it's, that's an interesting one for me because, um, because I, I do struggle with that personally about, you know, my own value and how, how to, um, how to monetize that. It's, Mm -hmm. it's an, it's a really interesting thing. Um, and it's just sort of happened pretty organically for me. Um, you know, over the years, as I have gained experience and knowledge, um, I, I just place a certain amount of value on my offering and it seems to fit in alignment. I think that I may be slightly more expensive than, than, uh, the going rate. I don't even really, I don't even really know, but, um, but it, but it all, I just kind of look for that alignment. I don't know. It's interesting because I don't, I don't know how to answer that, but I feel like I'm in alignment with my offering in terms of workshops, in terms of retreats and, um, and they sell out my workshops to sell out my, my retreats, they sell out. Um, I'm constantly, um, busy and, and I'm not saying that out of vanity, but I just think that there is a point where it's, it's right for you and for your offering. And I, I don't really know how to, how to articulate it um, any better than that, really. Sure, sure. I mean, I think it, it kind of seems like and sounds like with you that once you find your tribe of people who really resonate with you and want to mm-hmm. work with you, they see the value automatically in paying more than, you know, more to work with you than they would to pay to work with somebody else that they don't know or they don't resonate with their style as much. So it seems like the the value kind of takes care of itself as you get more people in and are able to build a relationship with them where they, they don't even question it. They'll just kind of pay whatever, (laughs) you know, whatever it takes. I think it's also because I place such a high value on the experience and I pour my whole heart and soul into what I create. And it's so important to me that it's very high touch that it is very exclusive, that everyone feels that they have received something, you know, in, in some way, in some small way, life-changing, that it's really enhancing their lives. And what happens is I, 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 I see the value because of the response, because of the testimonials, and then because of the return clients and, and students and human beings that show up in my life. And so it really is just a function of, um, you know, experimenting and then getting the results and then assessing from there and then going to the next one. And it's not like the price goes up every time, but it's just, it's validation Uh or something needs to, I mean, there's only been one time I think where I had to cancel an event because it wasn't aligning with my audience. And it was like, okay, this is not working. And the price point is too high. I realized why the price point was high. We had some other element in there that was going to make it really unique and special, but people weren't interested enough in that piece 
to pay the extra for it. You know what I mean? So it was like, it's all an experiment. And I think that, um, you know, while it, it may be difficult for me to articulate, if I really look back, it really is just a function of, of testing and then seeing and knowing, you know, what points, um, and what elements of the experience um, enhance it? Because I guess what I'm referring to, too, is that I do a lot of collaborations. So I work with a lot of different people on events to make them more unique and special. So I've done stuff with Andy Hayes, with Plum Deluxe, around, uh, you know, a mindful morning of tea and yoga, you know. And so mm-hmm. and so with that, you know, adding this element, what, what would be the price value for that? And, you know, that's kind of how it gets fine-tuned over the course of time. Yeah, that's really cool. That's a great point. Um, one other thing you mentioned in there too that yeah. uh, I, I think explains uh, it too is is this idea of repeat business and mm-hmm. um, people that are really loyal to you. And I'm sure you get a lot of word of mouth referrals as well. Does do you feel like that makes up a pretty big part of your, um, especially your higher end stuff? I guess is repeat customers or referrals from people who love you and and have been yeah uh, working with you. I really do. I mean, I have people that have been on almost every single one of my retreats and they're, you know, they're week long retreats in Hawaii or Mexico. Um, typically those are the two bigger, uh, venues that we've done and, um, and they come back each time and that's a real testament. I mean, you feel really honored and humbled by that. Um, I can think of one person, two people in particular that come to almost every single one. Um, and, you know, that's a commitment. That's mm-hmm. that's a week of your time and a significant chunk of change to go and have, you know, uh, an experience like that. But what I always try to do is over-deliver on the experience. And I find places that are aligned with what I would want. There's adventure components. There's really good food. There's this um, element of being luxurious but still, you know, sort of um, – eco-friendly and, um, and, and while being nice and luxurious, it's simple and there's a lot to do outside of just the yoga. And so everyone has, um, options to either go big or sit in a hammock or, you know, (laughs) you know, I really like to, um, to do that. And then, uh, and, and, and then really over deliver on the yoga piece too. I work, when I go on retreat, I'm not retreating. I retreat after the retreat. I really work hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Usually teaching four hours of yoga a day, at least at least three hours of yoga a day. And um so yeah, it's it's really just my whole heart and soul shows up for what I'm offering. And so hopefully that resonates. And if it doesn't, then it's probably not my tribe, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um so shifting gears a little bit to a di- yeah. a different part of your business, I'd love to talk about the uh, teacher training that mm-hmm. you're doing. And you mentioned it earlier, but um, yeah. what made you want to get more into that side of things? And um, I'd love to know a little bit more about kind of the nuts and bolts of it as well, like how you deliver it. Um, are they in-person trainings or online trainings? Or um, what does that business look like or will that part of your business, I guess? Well, um, in 2012, toward the end of 2012, I got together about 40 or 45 yoga teachers here in Portland in person um, for an exclusive event. But mainly the trade with them is, hey, come on, I've got a couple of speakers and myself and um, live music, food and wine. Um, In trade, I really want to hear from you. I really want to hear your heartfelt stories about what you need, what you feel is lacking in the community. Um, what you need as a yoga teacher to further your education. Um, and 
you know, I kind of had an idea based on my own experience and people that I'd already been talking to over the years and of what, what the needs were. Um, but then I gathered all of that information and that's really how Elevate was created. The content for Elevate Yoga Trainings, which is the program that you're referring to, was created around that meetup. And, you know, what people really shared was they wanted a place to go with their peers to share openly and honestly about their challenges and their successes and their fears and their self-doubts. Because I think um, a lot of us act like we got it going on, especially in our workplaces. And the reality is, is that we feel like we're the only one that is struggling. Sure. And, and there was a lot of that. Um, and I know that I feel it. And so I really wanted to create a safe place for people to come in and say, you know what, wow, this is, this is scary. And anytime I think you're, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're an artist, really whenever, whenever you're sharing something that is from your heart, it's a vulnerable thing to do. And you feel very exposed. And I think yoga teachers generally have this um, this feeling of really sharing their heart and soul and their, the depths of them because something brings them to teach yoga. It's usually from whether it's a physical injury or something that you've had to overcome and then you want to give that back by teaching. And so it's a vulnerable thing to do. So with that, the, the community part was a big thing. There was also elements of wanting more education, mm-hmm. um, uh, a place to go right after teacher training that isn't necessarily the next big, huge certification. It's just somewhere to go. There's business training involved. And then it's a huge opportunity to network and expose yourself because I bring in. So just in terms of the structure, it's a 10 week program. It does take place currently in person Mm -hmm. in Portland, Oregon. And there's one going on right now. We're about three quarters of the way through and we meet a couple times a week for several hours. And um, over the course of the 10-week program, I have probably six or seven special um, presentations, uh, uh, different teachers that are doing really unique work in this community. Or sometimes they've been from out of the community. I've had David Romanelli come in from New York City and also um, John Salisbury from from Phoenix, but they present their unique style, their unique passions, um, and really give these teachers exposure to maybe some things that they hadn't been exposed to before. Um, You know, I think it gives us permission to be truly ourselves when we see how differently it can look. And, um, and so, you know, there, there are elements of, um, of really finding your unique and authentic voice. Um, and being okay with just being who you are. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that was kind of the premise behind the creation of the program, and it's been received really, really well. Like I said, I'm running the fourth of the sessions right now, and it's full. Um, so I currently have 18 teachers in there, and, um, and, and, it's, and it's amazing. And, you know, if you go to my website, there are testimonials, video testimonials on there um, that, that share kind of the experiences that people have had. And, and it just makes me feel so proud and humbled because um, I know that if I had gotten done with teacher training, this would have been something that I would have looked for. And um, and now it's out there. Yeah, no, that's great. That, that seems to always be uh, a great way to create a, a business or a part of a business is to 
create what you would have liked when you were <laughs> absolutely started for sure. Yeah. And with my workshops, it's the same thing. I say, I, I, I try to invite people to a party I'd want to go to and, you know, having yoga and food and community and maybe even some wine after. And now that's a party I'd want to go to. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. So DJs come on. there. Yeah. All yeah, kinds of cool stuff. Exactly. exactly. Oh, that's great. Well, I'd like to shift uh, into kind of the questions that I like to ask of all the guests or the, the lightning round type of thing, if you will. Yeah, totally. Um, so I was wondering if you could recommend a great uh, book or website or, or tool to the audience that has really helped you or had an a big impact on you or your business. Um, yeah, I mean, I could probably recommend a bunch. The book sure. that comes to mind um, and and really anything anything by her, and I know she's just like a household name right now. But um, the book "Daring Greatly" by Brene Brown mm -hmm. was powerful for me, especially in the context of stepping out a little bigger in the last few years. Um, but you know, I, I think it's so important to just get in the game, like just step into the game. And uh, you know, I can be uh, really really hard on myself and wanting to be perfect before I do anything. And, um, it's so important to just step out there and start making mistakes and being vulnerable and striving for, you know, what it is that you want to see and have in your life. Um, because, you know, it's, um, it's the, it's, the, you know, that, that classic line, it's the journey. It's, it's, it's the whole process that is the beautiful part. And if you're waiting on the sidelines, watching other people, um, you're just, you're missing out. Mm -hmm. You got to just step in. So that was a powerful book for me. Daring greatly, Brene Brown. Awesome. Well, and I think, you know, to, to your point too, and to also tie it back to how you've been able to create your business and grow it is that sometimes when you're on the sidelines, you're, only seeing what works for other people and it can either seem like those things work really well when they don't necessarily or you just don't you can figure out ways of doing things that are brand new or that work better for you and your tribe so you know if you were interested in becoming a yoga teacher you might just watch how other people are doing it of teaching individual classes and kind of doing the you know, the grind that you were doing early on and thinking, well, that's all there is to it. Absolutely. But you got in there and started experimenting and testing and figuring out, you know, what worked best for you. And the only way you can really do that is by getting in and just trying it. Absolutely. And I will say that it was not without an incredible amount of fear and self-doubt. I mean, the whole time. So, um, you know, I stepped up in the face of um, all of that you know, even with the 40 teachers leading that event to gather information, I, I, I can't even tell you how scared I was to do that and to step out in front of my peers and often, you know, many teachers that had been teaching me for years, you know, who was I to do that? It was scary. Yeah. Oh, that's a great point too. <laughs> <laughs> it was scary. Um, so a friend of mine says that every person has a unique, uh, or a unique unfair advantage that helps them stand out and be successful. What mm -hmm. would you say your unfair advantage is? Um, you know, can I give it to you in two parts? <laughs> I guess. Sure. Sure. <laughs> I know there's probably one unique unfair advantage. So I negotiation think is your unfair advantage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't make a decision. And sometimes that serves me. Um, 
I, I know that I'm highly intuitive and sensitive to energy. I'm, I'm an empath. Um, I'm a highly sensitive person. I think that helps me tremendously in yoga. So I'll, I'll give you that piece. But going back to what I just said when I'm in referring to Brene Brown, I refuse to let my fear and self-doubt stop me. So I might be riddled with self-limiting beliefs and they're super loud in my head. They are very, very, very loud. But I will always say yes to opportunity, especially when it really scares me. And I've always just done that. I don't know where that comes from, but you know, I, I have a tremendous amount of um, of self doubt, and I still will say yes. I kind of always think of that quote um, uh, from Richard Branson: "If someone offers you an amazing opportunity and you're not sure you can do it, just say yes." and learn how to do it later. <laughs> and I'm always like, sure, I'll do that. And, and I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's probably what seems like, um, I don't know, maybe not a powerful uh, advantage. It really has turned out to be quite powerful. In, in my fears and my self-doubts, I have incredible courage. Oh, that's fantastic. I love it. So where can people find out more about you and check out what you're working on, both your um, your, your individual yoga, like your workshops and things like that, as well as your teacher training workshops. Absolutely. Um, yeah. One thing that I didn't get to refer to is that I'm starting to do a lot more work and create content with my husband, who's, uh, an amazing, um, coach and consultant, um, for business. And we're doing some stuff around the business of yoga, um, so yeah, please tell us more about that. I'd, I'd definitely love to hear about that. Yeah, I know we intended to touch on that. Um, basically we were asked to present, uh, a little bit about my journey, um, building my yoga business at the Northwest yoga conference. And I, I looped in my husband, um, because he is really one of my greatest coaches <clears throat> and, um, he's real cheap cause I live with him. <laughs> um, uh, and it was really w- well received, the information that we shared and um, talking about ways of layering, layering your business and different models um, that don't have to look like the two paths we talked about earlier. Um, and so uh, we've been brainstorming ways of really helping the yoga community and yoga teachers turn their, um, you know, what they're doing into a business uh, and we introduced some of that to elevate this time, which it hadn't been necessarily a part of. I mean, we've always touched on the business of yoga from the perspective of like, yes, get an accountant, get, you know, your LLC and here's how to get insurance. But this time it's really around, um, mindset shifts and, um, and really how to position yourself, um, you know, similarly to how I've done it. And, um, so, so that's really exciting. And to find out more information about what we're going to be up to, I'd say the best way to do that is by joining my mailing list, which you can do at my website, which is jillnouseyoga.com, and it's spelled Jill, J-I-L-L, and then Nouse is K-N-O-U-S-E, yoga.com, because we have a program that's going to be kicking off here in early June for yoga teachers. It's all internet-based, which um, which is great because we can access people outside of the Portland community. And um, again, just join my my mailing list if there's any interest, and and we'll keep you posted on the developments of that and, and the launch process. Yeah, that's fantastic. I'm excited that you guys are working on that because 
you know, I know you've helped a lot of teachers face to face, and mm-hmm. so it would be great to to take it to a much bigger audience. And I'm sure there are a ton of yoga teachers out there who could really benefit from it. So yeah, we're really excited about it. Great, great, and that's where people can find out about your yoga retreats and workshops and things as well. Absolutely, my website is um, is the best place to find out my local teaching schedule, the retreats and workshops that are coming up, and even my playlists are posted up there. So there's all kinds of goodness. Oh, very cool! And I'll be sure to link that up in the show notes as well. Wonderful, great. Well, thanks so much for taking the time, Jill. It's been awesome <laughs> talking to you and finding out a lot more about your business and all the great stuff that you're doing. So thanks so much. You're the best, Bo. I'm so happy to be on here with you. And um, I just am really grateful that you um, invited me. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Okay. All right. Hey, Bo here. I wanted to say thanks so much for listening to the show. If you're enjoying it or if you have an idea for how I could make it even better, it would really mean a lot to me if you could leave a review at youcangetpaidforthat.com slash iTunes. Leaving reviews really helps to get the word out about the show, introduces new audience to it to make it even better, and is your way of telling me how I can make it the best show possible for you. Also, if you'd like to get all of the updates that I have on the blog, on podcast episodes, and get a copy of my Quick Start Biz Quiz, which is a real simple one-page document with some questions you can answer to get really clear on your business, how to get it going, and how to make it even better, just go to youcangetpaidforthat.com slash subscribe, and you can sign up there. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you soon.